another episode of the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. It has been a little while since we have had a program. Last week was a uh, crazy week. I'm at a busy time of year. A lot going on. Plus, uh, we have a trip coming up. And so I've been trying to get a lot of things prepared for that. Trying to get ahead. Uh, we're going to the New Old Paths Conference at Revival Baptist in Orlando. Uh, that's going to be this week, so make sure you check out Revival Baptist's channel. Uh, watch the live stream if you're not able to make it to the conference, but it is going to be an epic conference. Really excited about it. Excited about getting a break from the cold. Uh, that's going to be a blessing too, but um, just uh, had a lot going on. Hopefully you saw my uh, live stream I did on my church channel with Pastor Corey Sulian. Uh, it's an, it's actually about a much more important subject than what we talk about here. It is, it was about souling and fantastic, um, discussion. Uh, you definitely want to go watch that and hear what he has to say about soul winning. But, uh, this, this channel, we like to talk about all things, prophecy, Israel and things like that. And so, um, I'm only going to have this one program this week. Cause again, I'm going to be gone. But I'm going to go ahead and announce this ahead of time, too, because uh, I normally I don't like announcing podcasts and guests that I have coming before I have actually recorded it just because of the fact sometimes people back out. But um, I do have an interview scheduled um, with a leading voice in all things full preterism. And I'm really looking forward to having a discussion with him. And some of you are probably going to get triggered by it because I'm not going to argue with him. But there's a lot of things I don't understand about full preterism. There's a lot of questions that I have. And so I am going to, I've got a bunch of questions I'm going to ask him. And I am going to find out what he believes. I'm going to listen to what he has to say. If you don't want to hear it, then don't listen to it. I do want to listen to it because... There are, based on my understanding of full preterism, I strongly disagree with it. And if my understanding is correct, I do think it's heresy. I, I think it's something that I think it crosses some lines that I have drawn. But because I've not really had many good conversations with a full preterist, I've only heard what Baptists say about full preterists. That's not enough for me to just not talk to them. Okay. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. I don't trust Baptists when it comes to how they represent other people's position. Baptists are known for straw manning and using a lot of logical fallacies when going up against their opposition. So I'm sorry, but you know, if you as a pastor, you've exposed these people before, or your pastor has exposed full prayers before. Uh, maybe I haven't seen it, but even if I did, I probably wouldn't pay much attention to it because I don't trust Baptists and what they say about other people. And I'm sorry, but, um, you know, if you ever heard the story of the boy who cried wolf and so, uh, yeah, they're right a lot, but they are wrong so much that I'm willing to check things out for myself. So everybody's just going to have to get over that. And uh, you can label me whatever you want for not trusting Baptists and their markings and things like that. But uh, I, there are some individuals that I trust. But Baptists as a whole, I, I don't trust them. And so everybody's going to have to get over that. Baptists, have, uh, they've lost a lot of credibility when it comes to that kind of thing. So anyway, uh, what I want to talk about today, though, even before 
I put out this, um, I have this discussion with the full preterist. I do want to explain uh, one of the main reasons that I am still in the futurist camp. Something that I think is very important that we need to bring up. And uh, one of the things too, after I do this discussion with the full preterist, uh, I'm going to listen to what he has to say. I'm not going to argue with him. And then afterwards, I will make another, I will do another podcast addressing the things that we're talking about. And I've told him that's what I'm going to do. And, uh, and I fully intend to not act like a Baptist and accurately represent what he says. And I will have it on record because you will have seen the podcast. And so, um, this is not me quitting being a Baptist by, you know, accurately representing opposition, but <laughs> it's, it's me, uh, just trying to be an honest Baptist. So anyway, today, what I want to talk about though, I, I want to explain some things about futurism, why I still believe futurism is accurate, even though I do believe that how many futurists come to the conclusions that they come to are faulty. Uh, I'm glad most people are futurists, but how they get there, uh, I think one of the, uh, sometimes is inspiring preterism because of a lot of the mistakes that we make. And, and so there is, there's a lot of, uh, stuff people are pulling from the old Testament and they are presenting it as interpretation rather than application. And I'm not going to explain all that. If you watch a program regularly, you should understand what I'm talking about there. And I think they end up making the scriptures look bad a lot of times, but here's something that everybody needs to understand is when it comes to prophecies, especially old Testament prophecies too, we are doing just that. We are making application rather than interpretation. In fact, I will say that with most prophecies that we would believe are still to be fulfilled. When we go to those prophecies, we are only making application with the exception of, I still believe the book of revelation it's about interpretation. And so, um, you know, so hopefully, uh, you all get that and I don't have to explain all that, but here's what I want to do. I want to go back and look at some old Testament prophecies that have been fulfilled and show some of the mistakes people were making even back then. And I believe they're the same mistakes. Many people will make even today uh, or uh, mainly in the preterist world. And so, uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 15 and Genesis chapter 15 says, and after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, behold, to me, thou hast given no seed and lo, one born in mine house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, this shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thy heir. So remember, God has already promised that he is going to make of Abram a great nation. But here we are several years later, Abram still doesn't have any children. Now he has people that are from his house. He's got servants. He's got people that are underneath him. And at this point in his life, Eliezer, a servant, is his heir because he has no children. And so... Abraham is thinking something's wrong. You know, Lord, you made this prophecy about my seed yet at the same time, you know, 
I don't have any children. So is this going to be through my heir? And often when prophecies don't play out in the way that we think they are going to play out, people will try to twist what God said into, um, into a meaning of something that appears more true. And Abraham kind of had a problem with that. God made a promise to him that he was going to multiply his stars uh, and uh, multiply his seed. God made that promise to Abraham. And so Abraham's always trying to figure out ways to make that prophecy true because it looks like it didn't come to pass. And so it says in verse five, and but God clarifies, it says, no, someone from your own bowels is going to be the heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou shalt be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. So right there, we see Abraham now believes that God is going to multiply a seed and someone is going to come from him. But you know what? That prophecy still didn't happen like they thought it would. Abraham is getting old. The clock is ticking on a timeline that Abraham has in his mind for whatever reason. God never gave him a timeline, but at the same time, it does kind of have something's got to happen before he dies, right? But technically, Abraham's at an age, his wife's at an age where they can't have children anymore. So we've got to help God's prophecy come to pass. So they do, they start manipulating the promise basically. And that, that's what many preterists are doing when they're going back and showing all the fulfillment in 70 AD. It's like in their minds, because of a misunderstanding of a few prophecies, they're thinking we've got to find a way to make God's word true. And so instead of going off of what is clearly stated, they twist what happened into making that out to be the coming of Christ and the resurrection Kind of the same mistake as Abraham. And so in Abraham, or in Genesis 17, says in verse 15, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nation, and kings of people shall be from her. And Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah that is ninety years old bear? And Abraham said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. So remember years before when the clock was ticking and Sarah's like, you know what? I'm not going to have any kids. They decided there, let's help God's prophecy come to pass. And Sarah said, I will have a child. Abraham, you will have a son, but we will do it by Hagar. That is not what God intended. That was not what God wanted. And so here they are. Abraham's 100, Sarah's 90. It's too late. According to Abraham's understanding of prophecy, it's too late. You know, at first Abraham thought, well, God's just going to do it through my servant Eliezer. I thought it was going to be better. I was going to have a son, you know, but okay. God's prophecy is still true. Lamer way. Through my servant Eliezer, God comes along. No, you're going to have one from your own bowels. You know, Abraham, okay, good. It's going to be with Sarah. All of a sudden, it looks like that's not going to happen. All right, well, uh, uh, you know, we don't want God to look bad. Let's make it happen. Through Hagar, God comes along. No, you're going to have a child through Sarah. I promised you this, Abraham. 
And even though they laughed at first, and even though it wasn't how they expected, sure enough, God did exactly what he said he would do in the way it was originally thought it was going to take place. It just was much later, much later than what they were expecting after they thought it was too late. And I believe it's the same thing when it comes to the return of Christ. I think the way Jesus originally explained the return of Christ in the Olivet Discourse is exactly how he's going to come back. But there are certain things in there that prophecy preachers have mistaken, you know, they've, or they've interpreted it in an erroneous way. And what they have done is they have tried to change the promise of God to make him look good. And they're interpreting a given an Eliezer type interpretation or an Ishmael type interpretation. But no, it's going to be an Isaac type interpretation. What is that? That's where Jesus Christ literally comes in the clouds. Every eye sees him. He gathers up his elect. He gathers up the saved. A rapture, like the Bible describes. I believe that's still going to happen. I, I take that literally. Just like Abraham should have taken the prophecy about Isaac very literally, you know, I believe we ought to do it the same way. Now, again, I understand why people look at those prophecies and think, why did it, it shouldn't have taken this long. It shouldn't take 2000 years. And you know what? It shouldn't have taken all the years that it took for Isaac to be born by Sarah. But yet that's how God chose to do it. God came through in his promise and God never gave a timeline on Isaac. God never gave a timeline on his coming either. And so for whatever reason, we have tried to force God's words into saying something that it never really said. And, and yet in the, in the mind of the preterist, they have decided, no, that is what God said. That is what God meant Therefore, And even though the result did not look the way we thought it was going to look, we're going to take history and make it mean something that it mean. But I think it means exactly what God says. We see in Matthew 28, verse 5. And the angel answered and said to the woman, this is right after the resurrection of Christ, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Okay? He is risen, as he said. Now, God had, Jesus had told them, he was going to be delivered in the hands of sinful men. He was going to die. Three days later, he was going to rise from the dead. And it, to me, it's obvious when you look at that, that obviously they weren't thinking, Jesus, you're lying. But it does seem to appear that they were not taking him literally because that's not how they expected things to go. But how did things go? We can go back and look at those passages where Jesus explicitly told them, I'm going to die. Three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. Yet, you know, whenever he dies, and then three days later, you have women telling them he's risen from the dead. They don't believe it at first. Not, not until they see it. Hey, why? Because again, they didn't take it literally like they should have. They, and they, they believe the words, I think you could say, in their minds. But... Again, in, in their minds, they tried to make it mean something that it didn't mean. And I'm telling you, I think that's what preterists do in the way that they spiritualize everything. Why are they always spiritualizing things that seem 
pretty clear. You know, when you look at the millennium, millennial reign, the thousand year reign in Revelation 20, that seems pretty literal to me. But because it has not happened in the time frame that they thought it should happen, they have decided, let's help make God true. Let's help make God's word true and let's spiritualize it. But no, I think it's going to happen just like he said. And so we see um, in John 11 in verse 21 says, then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou will ask of God, he will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Okay, now, so notice what Jesus said, thy brother shall rise again. Okay, And we know that means Jesus is about to raise him from the dead right there. Now, what did Martha do? She adds to what Jesus said to help him out because obviously she's not going to be like, Jesus, you're lying or Jesus, you can't do that. She's not going to say something like that. But in, in her mind, she was trying to help make what Jesus was saying seem possible and credible. And often by putting things way into the future, you know, that's a way people just kind of, yeah, yeah, I believe it. But at the same time, I'll never have to face an opportunity where I, you know, have to, uh, you know, maybe eat my words or something like that. And so it's like, you know, she does, she, Martha loves Jesus. You know, she trusts Jesus. But when Jesus makes a statement, my brother shall rise again when he's been dead four days, it's too late. It's too late. By now he stinketh. It says, Jesus said, thy brother shall rise again. So she tried to add to what he said. If, Somebody would have come along to her and said, hey, Jesus just said your brother's going to rise again. I think Jesus is going to raise him from the dead. She would have been like a lot of prophecy preachers, a lot of preterists. Well, what he actually means is, you know, someday in the resurrection, he's going to rise again. We're all going to rise again one of these days. No, he meant he's going to rise right then. That's clearly what he meant. And Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And she's, to me, she's not even really answering the question. She's saying, when Jesus confronts her with the very specific truth, what does she do? She starts pontificating a whole bunch of other truths. And people often do that too when it comes to prophecy, especially from the preterist world. Nobody is going to say Jesus is a liar. The word of God is flawed and, or the prophecies didn't come to pass. Nobody's going to say that. But what they will do is when you confront somebody, it's like, hey, do you believe that Jesus has kind of come back one of these days? Do you believe in a literal resurrection of the dead? I, and then they'll tell you all these things they believe in that are true. They will say, I believe every word of God is true. I believe all the prophecies are going to come to pass. But, you know. Do you ever think maybe you're misunderstanding the prophecy? Well, I, I mean, I get there's a lot we might understand about prophecy, but I do understand what rising again means. I, I do understand what it means when Jesus said, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I, I think I understand what Jesus is saying when he said, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first 
than we which are alive and remain should be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I think that means we will see Jesus coming in the clouds. I believe every eye will see him. I believe he will send his angels to gather his elect. I will believe we will be caught up. I believe that the saints of old that have already died or are asleep in Jesus are going to rise from the dead. That, that's what I, that's what I believe. What he's saying there is very clear, but what the preterists will do is they will come along and tell you, well, that's not what he means, but it's what he said. Well, but it's not what he means. Well, why, why can't it be? Why can't he mean what he is saying? Well, because we have created this rule that it all had to happen within a generation. Okay. Well, maybe that, maybe you're misunderstanding that part. Maybe, you know, maybe that's where your mistake is because typically in the scriptures, whenever we see a prophecy, often we see a situation where there will be a shadow fulfillment, and then we will see a more literal fulfillment far into the future. And I've given many examples of those. Uh, the prophecy of the virgin birth was clearly a prophecy about something that was going to take place within that generation. It was, it was giving a timeline in the prophecy, but the very, the prophecy clearly said a virgin was going to conceive. And so while that prophecy was a prophecy, giving a rough time frame for when the land would be forsaken of both of their Kings. And it came to pass within that time frame, we, we understand that also was a prophecy about the virgin birth that came to pass 700 years later. And I, and so I believe when it comes to many of the prophecies about the coming of Christ, especially if you're pulling it from the old Testament, I believe the preterists are right when they point out many of the things that were fulfilled in the first century, but I believe they were wrong when they deny a more literal fulfillment that is going to come in the future, because all of those things that took place within that generation, you know, all the things uh, that we do see play out, they were not identical and we don't need to make the same mistake Abraham made and try to help these prophecies come to pass. Lazarus, you know, God gave Abraham a son by Sarah. Like he said, Jesus raised Lazarus. Like he said, not like Martha thought the Jesus resurrected after three days. Like he said, not like the disciples were thinking all these things happened as he said, and in Acts chapter one and in verse 10, I want to read a passage there. It says, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So in like manner, in the same way Jesus went into heaven, he is going to come back in that manner. And I do not believe that has happened. I do not believe anything that took place in 70 AD. Uh, even I, I, I believe the vision of the chariots running around in the sky. I think they saw that. Uh, I've got, you know, and I've got some opinions on what was going on then, but you know what we don't see Jesus coming in the clouds. You know what we don't see 
him sending his angels to gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. We don't see him coming in power in great glory. We don't see any of those things during that time. But I, but it's very clear what the Bible is saying and what the prophecies say. And I think it is important that we continue to believe that we be like, that we not be like Abraham, you could, you could say, and instead of trying to help that, you know, God's prophecy be true by changing the terms and conditions, I say, we just wait. And again, it's not, I can't figure out why we're still here. I can't figure out it from the scriptures. You know, when I, when I look at prophecy, I don't understand the 2000 years, but here's what I do believe. I believe he's coming back. Like he said, I believe in a coming resurrection of the dead. And so another thing I want to point out, and we could go to a lot more examples of prophecies too. You know, I mean, you can go back to the first one. I've talked about this before. Uh, in the day ye eat thereof, you shall surely die. Well, obviously, yeah, there was a spiritual death that day, but eventually 930 years later, he did in fact die. Okay? It wasn't in the timeline that we might've thought originally, but exactly as God said, it happened. And I believe the things that we see in prophecy concerning the coming of Christ, the things that we see in the book of Revelation, I believe they are going to come to pass as they are said. Now, if somebody wants to go to events in the first century in 70 AD and talk about those things as foreshadowings of what is to come, I have no problem with that. I will probably agree with you on that. I think there's a lot that we can learn from that. That's a great conversation. And, and we've talked about some of those things before. But at the same time, nobody can go to historical events and 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 uh, and show and then interpret the book of revelation and say this is as it said okay and that's how god ultimately always fulfills his prophecies just as he said the more literal fulfillment it's always way into the future and so just a few examples because here's a question i've liked to ask too i preached a whole sermon on this where i covered a lot of these things uh, several years ago but if it came to pass if that prophecy that you're describing came to pass, this is a very important question. You have to be able to answer. Why is it still coming to pass? Why are we seeing everything seem to be setting up for exactly what is described in revelation? Why is that? If it already came to pass, why, why does it seem like we're getting closer and closer to what's described in the book of revelation? So for example, you know, the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And, and let's go ahead and look at that. In Revelation chapter 6 and verse 1. And I saw in the Lamb open one of his seals. I heard as it were a noise of thunder. Uh, one of the four beasts sang, come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow. And a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. And to me, that looks a lot like, you say, well, that looks a lot like Jesus. Well, uh, yeah, the Antichrist is going to look a lot like Jesus. He's going to be a false Christ who will deceive many. So, yes, we can definitely look at that white horse. And I can definitely see some similarities 
uh, to Jesus, but I don't think that's a coincidence. I think it's because it's the Antichrist, and, and we were warned not to be deceived. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard a second beast say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and they should kill one another, and there was given him a great sword. Now, we definitely have had a lot of great wars throughout history, for sure. And, uh, but at the same time too, um, you know, that one's, that one's not super specific. You know, we, there were some major wars in the first century. We've had two world wars, you know, in just in the 1900s and everybody's thinking we're about ready to go into world war three. And that's very possible. So, you know, that one, uh, I get, you know, I get where people can think that happened. That's not real specific yet, but look at verse five. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see. And I beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hands. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, a measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And so we see a great famine that's going to take place. And we've had famines throughout history, uh, you know, uh, but again, to me, when we, this is where we get to something where it's like, I don't know where this ever happened in history. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell and followed with him. And power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. So right there, I'm just not, I've never heard a good explanation of what that is. And uh, when that would have come to pass. And, and it's like, it, you know, it looks to me like all this stuff's kind of happening at once. We do have a, a world leader, an antichrist, a man of sin. Nobody can explain who that is. We were warned about him so much in the scriptures, yet there is no clear indication of who that man ever was. A lot of people say it was Nero. Um, you know, it's some interesting arguments, very interesting arguments, but when you look at a lot of stuff about Nero, a lot of things, there's a lot of things missing from Revelation, you know, like the image of the beast and all that kind of stuff and everybody worshiping him, the mark, all that kind of thing, you know, and to, to me, a lot of that's missing. So are you sure Nero was not a foreshadowing? Because again, I think, I still think there is going to be a, the Antichrist. That is going that is going to come. I think these things are going to happen, as they said. You know, the whole world seeing the two witnesses. Hey, now people have tried to say, oh, you know, that was the law and the prophets being preached. Listen, I you know that I've heard some very interesting theories on that, but I feel like when I'm when I'm listening to these people, we're doing like Abraham did with the prophecy about his son. We're trying to help God's word be true in a timeline that we are convinced of. How about we just accept the fact that, you know what, if we haven't seen it yet, it's because we're wrong about the timeline. Let's just do that. I still think we're going to see this. I still think we're going to see the two witnesses. I still think they are going to die. And after three and a half days, they're going to rise again. I, I think I still think we're going to see that. And so when you spiritualize that, okay, when you spiritualize that, 
You're doing the same thing Abraham did. You're doing the same thing that Martha did. You're doing the same thing that many people did throughout the Old Testament. It always ended up being the most literal interpretation, always ended up being the final result. But it was always way after because all those prophecies of the Old Testament were typically something that had a message for that generation. But there was also messianic things contained in there that came to pass exactly as stated way into the future. And I think that's what we're going to see. And that's why I think we're still seeing things lead to the system. We're not going to take time to read it. Everybody's familiar with the mark of the beast. Hey, okay? Mark, you know, I, I've heard some interesting theories about the mark of the beast and what it was, but I don't know. It looks like we're getting closer and closer to a world and a system where, you know, you're not going to be able to buy or sell without a mark. We understand how you can do that. Now you can, if, if you go back and you read stuff from hundreds of years ago, nobody is going to talk like we are talking about these things today. You know, they're going to, they're going to be talking like Abraham did. It's like, well, it must be through Eliezer, you know, even though God's like, no, it's going to be through Sarah. Well, yeah, through Sarah's handmaid. No, it's going to be through Sarah. Okay? And so that's what we're finding out is as, as time gets closer, we're seeing now how these things could in fact come to pass. We are seeing how the whole world could observe the two witnesses. We understand that all makes sense now. We understand too, you know. A, you know, a, a leader or a, a soldier back in the first century, basically conquering the earth in a three and a half year period would, would have been impossible. But now it's very possible to do something like that. We can total everything that revelation describes while even a hundred years ago, it would have been very difficult to imagine how these things could have come to pass exactly as they are written. Today, we can understand how they will come to pass exactly as written. And so just like Abraham couldn't understand, how could this possibly happen where I have a child by Sarah? She is beyond childbearing years. I am 100 years old. Well, it happened exactly as God said. And, we, I'm, I, and so I'm just here to tell you, I don't think we need to help make the Bible look true. I think it is true. I don't think we need to spiritualize these things. And so while there's many things that we may not completely understand, one thing is for certain, and that is things are falling into place exactly as we are seeing in Revelation. And so, so I, I mean, it, it does look like, I mean, there, there is a ton of our world that would fully support the rebuilding of a temple. That's the way we're going. I'm convinced that if they made a decision to build a temple, I think a vast majority of Christians would fully support it. We have been so conditioned to support Israel and the Jews, no matter what they're doing, whether it be genocides, whether it be anything, I believe Christians will fully support the rebuilding of the temple, the takeover of the Temple Mount, the rise of the Antichrist, they will, in fact, support him. 
And so, I mean, folks, if all these things already came to pass, why are we seeing Zionism on the rise like it is? Without a doubt, there has been a satanic and a sinister agenda since the late 1800s with the beginning of Zionism. Without a doubt. I mean, this is satanic stuff that is a growing movement that has infiltrated politics globally and it is infiltrated all the Christian religions, including independent fundamental Baptists. And what did Paul say? There was going to come a falling away first and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Before the day of Christ, a falling away would happen. Everybody just makes the falling away out to be whatever new heresy pops up. We're in the falling away. When he mentions the falling away, the very next thing out of his mouth, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Let no man deceive you by any means. He says in there, Jesus said, let no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ. Both times we see, let no man deceive you. We see reference to an antichrist. We see that Paul said there was going to be a falling away. And we are seeing in Baptist churches, they have Israeli flags openly supporting Zionism, condemning Christians who do not support Zionism. Folks, that's weird. That to me is completely contrary to like your post-millennial idea where we're going to like conquer the world for Christ, you know, and then he's, and, and that's going to usher in his coming. Um, you know, that's not what I read in second Thessalonians two. That's not what I'm seeing in the book of revelation. You know what I'm seeing in the book of revelation, second Thessalonians two, exactly what we are seeing and observing today. So this right here is one of the main reasons I am still a futurist. While I believe there are some very um, interesting points that the preterists make, and even many points where I believe they're right, and there are many points where I believe futurists are wrong, at the end of the day, I do believe that the conclusion of the futurists, although I disagree with how they get there, I do agree that their conclusion is correct, that the events of Revelation are still to come. Why? Because we're seeing it happen. Exactly as it said, and those who are claiming it has been fulfilled are claiming it happened, but it's not as he said. That's not consistent with how prophecy has come to pass throughout, throughout the Bible. And so those are some thoughts on why I am still a futurist and I'm looking forward to this conversation I'm going to have with a full preterist. And it is, and some of you, uh, some of you pain eaters, you're going to get so aggravated at how nice I am to the guy. But I've been honest with him. I told him I don't agree with him. I've explained to him why I'm doing this. I believe people on my side in the futurist world, we need to be challenging some things because there are some areas where I think we're making bad arguments. And I think there are areas too where even though I still think we're right, I believe our arguments are weak. And I believe our support for our arguments are weak. And I think we need to strengthen them. I believe we're right, but I think we can do better 
in our explanation of these things. And so um, these are things that I'm trying to strengthen. I'm trying to strengthen my beliefs. I want to strengthen yours. And so we're going, we're going to, I'm going to challenge you on these things. So um, this is going to be the only program for this week. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be recording the, um, in fact, by the time this is released, I probably will have recorded uh, that interview with the full preterists, but I'm going to wait until after uh, I get back from Florida to release it because there will be aftermath. Uh, I, I, I think some of your heads are going to explode uh, after I talk to this guy. And so uh, the, I'm going to do a following response video that will probably be a damage control video. Cause some, some of y'all, some of y'all are going to get mad, but again, uh, I think it's okay to handle things this way. I, uh, and, 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 and you might not agree with my method. My, hey, it might even backfire, but we'll see. This is what I'm going for. So, uh, you're definitely going to want to be watching the next programs coming up. So if you have not already subscribed to this channel, subscribe, share this, and you're going to be in for a treat. I believe next week, Lord willing, I really, I'm hoping and praying he doesn't, he doesn't back out on me. I've already had one full preterist just, uh, after talking to me and not knowing how to respond to the arguments I was throwing at him, he completely, completely bailed. And so, uh, I've, I, I, I do not believe in sabotaging people. Anytime I interview somebody, I'm always honest about my agenda. And, and so far he's, he's agreed to come on. So it's going to be good stuff. So I appreciate everybody watching this today. I hope you enjoyed it. God bless you. We'll see you all next time.